when we feel good about our skin, our self-esteem is uplifted. And what constitutes good skin or a good skin day is like feeling not just the effect of the outer effect of what your skin looks like, but you feel good about aligning your values with a brand that supports what you believe in from ingredients to efficacy to like the actual demonstrated evidence to the whole packaging story. Like it's really the whole shebang. Hey guys, I'm Izzy Sapien, a seasoned brand builder in the most elusive and mysterious industry on earth, the glamorous beauty industry. And I'm on a mission to make beauty a better place, starting with this podcast. I've worked in the marketing departments of several major beauty brands and helped build a number of emerging brands from zero to millions. Each week, I'll break down the details of some of beauty's most notorious and untold scandals of today, along with my own personal experiences. But most importantly, my whole reason for doing this podcast is to highlight the beauty and wellness brands, influencers, and trailblazers who are doing it right and deserve a piece of the spotlight. Not to be mistaken for a cancel culture reboot, this well-intentioned tell-all aims to create a space for growth in beauty. I hope you'll join me every week for honest and stripped down conversations. After all, it's growth that's a thing of beauty. Hey guys, welcome back to A Thing of Beauty. Today, I'm joined by Graydon Moffat. She is the CEO and founder of Graydon Skincare, a Canadian indie beauty brand. And yes, she, as a Canadian, was extremely nice. Uh, one of the nicest people I've ever met. And Graydon has a really unique background that led her to get her start in beauty. And she just has this lovely energy about her, which you can really feel in the recording, which doesn't happen a lot, you know, people with that sort of energy. We talk today about how she builds sustainable beauty into her products and packaging, how the brand stays true to its mission, as well as secrets to her motto, good skin days every day. If you're new here, I'd love for you to go check out the podcast on Apple or Spotify and share this episode with a friend or give us a rating. Otherwise, you can follow me on Instagram at Izzy Sapien, I-Z-Z-Y, for beauty reviews, industry news, and just stuff about life. All right, guys, let's jump right in. and welcome to A Thing of Beauty. I am incredibly excited to see you. You know, before we started recording, we were just chatting briefly and I was telling her how I saw all these amazing reviews and I couldn't help but shop. <laughs> I mean, I'm also like addicted to shopping, but I'm excited. I, I'm going to try some products and this is great. And, and it's actually, you know, really fun for me because the products are on the way and we get to talk and you get to share your story. So I want to start, tell us about your background because you have a very unique background getting into skincare. I do. Like I, I really shouldn't be here. I'm so resentful of my parents. Like how come you didn't make me take STEM classes in school? Like a little chemistry and uh, in an MBA would really help me right now. I did everything that was not marketable that I found interesting, but like I did women's studies, which is now called gender studies. I did fine art. I did sociology. I was very involved in the culinary world. Like interesting things, but harder things to actually have a, make a career out of. So Graydon Skincare is the manifestation of all of my experiences and I never in my wildest dreams would have I ever thought, yeah, I should have seen a fortune teller back in the day. And, you know, that, that may, maybe I would have gotten a hint, but, you know, haven't done that. If the fortune teller had told you, would you have still done it? Or would you have been like, no, that's not me? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, you know, here I am. I'm happy to go into um, more detail if, if you like, but the, the quicker story is grad school took me to Southern California. Lucky me, because I'm here in Toronto. So I was studying fine art and postmodernism and philosophy at a grade school in Pasadena called Art Center. And But I, you know, I look back now and I think the universe took me to the LA area, not really for art. It was for me to get bitten by the wellness bug. All wellness trends seem to come from Southern California. I don't know. You could even be 
Is that where you are or where we're about to? I am in Phoenix. So very close to California. Yeah. 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 So nice. So I was lucky to live in LA for five years and I popped around from Orange County to Topanga and everywhere in between. I was, I think I moved at least five times. And this was a while ago, so I don't need to date myself. You could say that I'm uh, an older founder, so we are very much a pro-aging brand, and I truly believe that healthy, happy skin will take you a long way to, you know, literally, this is such an overdone expression, but to literally put your best face forward. So I am actually proud to be an older founder because I think my skin is healthy and I'm happy with the way I look. You look incredibly beautiful. Thank you. Was born in the 60s, so that gives you a bit of a, a hint. So, um, so I was in LA in the 90s, and that was just when yoga was exploding. The whole food movement, actually, I think it was pre Whole Foods. I was. Uh, I don't know if you spent time in um, in the LA area. Probably everybody's gone there. But I remember when like the first Starbucks opened in on um, Montana Avenue, and it was. Like, yeah, I know. Can you imagine life for? I can't like, even imagine LA without Starbucks. I feel like LA without like boba tea and stuff is just not LA. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like I was one of the first people to get a cell phone. So all of those things, I know. I'm like, gosh, people are going to think start calling me granny or something like that. But I was so grateful for the experience being there because once I graduated, from my program and I didn't want to go back to Canada. Why would you? And as a Canadian, I suddenly found myself with a visa issue. You think that there isn't that much difference between Canada and the US, but you know. They could like literally just export you. Yeah, I know. I did have a few real scares. And if it was hard for me then, I can only imagine what it's like now. So one thing I didn't mention is that I was I was lucky enough to spend a quite a bit of time in France when I was younger. So my dad was working over there. And so I really kind of got connected with the whole food movement, like the farm to table movement before it was even called that. And I was always fascinated by French women and like their inherent beauty, but like not a lot of makeup. I mean, I guess there's exceptions, but like the simple black dress and just a, a little bit of rouge, it was all really all about your skin showing through and, and so I, I had all of these narratives that I carried with me and I didn't even realize they were really part of how I defined myself until, you know, years of therapy a little bit later. So the long story short is I started cooking and I had already done pastry school in San Francisco. I could have been a chef in another life, but I thought something more academic was appropriate for me. But when I was suddenly without a green card, and a visa, I was like, what can I do to pay my rent? And I, you know, give me a blender, like give me some food and I will cook it for you. Except my training had been in like French pastry, which delicious, but not so good for you. Oh, but don't even say it. I would do anything for a French pastry. I don't care how much butter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought, you know, how can I actually use this skill and create some abundance for myself. And the fellow who I was, person I was dating at the time, he had a brother that had uh, Crohn's disease, which is a very big challenge, autoimmune. Like, and he was just losing so much weight. And I was like, leave it to me, I'll cook for you. And I got involved in macrobiotics and I just found that my skills were very adaptable. If you can make a fancy French custard or special sauce you can make an emulsion with tofu and you know lots of other things um so i started a home delivery food business and it's called divine dishes i still have the original business card and so there i was you know going to the santa monica market farmer's market and buying going to the co-op again prior to whole foods and really learning about what we now call superfoods they were just ingredients at the time and it was like this percolation of energy. Like you could, I could feel this movement changing. So as opposed to like crunchy granola, Malibu, circa 1969, this was 90s 
really nice plant-based restaurants were starting to open. And I actually helped open one of them and was hired to be like help develop the menu and actually be in the kitchen, which it was around for a long time. I think it's closed now. It's called Real Food Daily. And that is, was, those were really formative experiences for me alongside practicing yoga because yoga studios were everywhere. I'm telling you all of these things because all of this, it did lead to the culmination of what I'm doing right now. And of course, while you're in the thick of it, like you don't realize that the things that you're doing actually will contribute down the road. Like this is many years later. And I am so doing a lot of yoga. I was suffering some from some health challenges myself. I am glad to say that I'm a healthy person now, but I was definitely experiencing a lot of disordered eating, a, a hangover from French pastry school, some unresolved issues in my life. And, you know, the good thing about yoga, and this is not a sob story, this is a happy story, but, and I feel okay to talk about the challenges that I've had in my life because I'm gratefully being able to, you know, I can manage them now, but I think there was definitely a lot of shame at the time, like any any type of addiction and food can disordered eating is just a different type of addiction. Oh, absolutely. And there's still a lot of stigma surrounding, you know, eating disorders. Yeah, absolutely. And how that relates to, yeah, that's, that's a whole other podcast. So I um, was experiencing yoga myself and I just had this, like, I remember, I don't know if you've ever done any yoga at all, lying on your back and you put a block underneath your sacrum And I just remember, like, literally, it was like a metaphysical experience dropping into my body as if my physical body had been completely separated with my emotional and, you know, cognitive body. And it was suddenly, it was just like, and I just, like, the tears, like, water, waterfall. And uh, even talking about it now, like, I feel it. And I was like, God, I've actually integrated. And that was just such a profound experience. And I just realized that. This was my opportunity to choose health and I didn't know how to do it. And the yoga and the food sort of really combined together. And I just knew that somehow this was supposed to be my path. And, you know, all of the the, the, the degrees in the universities and the art world and the cool stuff really were just things that were more superficial. And it was, yeah, it was that moment. And it just a funny side story. So during yoga, I got to know a bunch of really cool people. And um, one of the people who I befriended, who also became a client for my food delivery, it's not like she had a shop or anything, but she was an esthetician and she had some well-to-do, some kind of famous clients. It's not surprising considering the environment. And so I would get, bring her food and then I would be like, hey, do you want to try this like goji berry matcha puree? I've been using it on my face, you know, like, oh, and there's some papaya and some, you know, pineapple like enzyme, you know, like you want to try it or like feel free to get a sample, but keep it in your fridge. Like it's raw. By the way, it tastes really good in a smoothie too. And she was like, sure, whatever. And, and I just remember her like seeing her in class and then she was like, Graydon, I just got to tell you, like, that woo-woo stuff that you blended out for me, like, my customers really like it. What is it? And now I look back and I'm like, oh, that was, people should not formulate skincare products in their kitchen and then give it to other people. Just, just, that that is, that is, that is not a good protocol. Just, I'm not, don't want to, you know, you should actually definitely work with a cosmetic chemist in a proper production facility. A preservation method and all those things. Absolutely. I'm, so I'm not, I just didn't want to like. But it know. also does, it's a testament to how great it probably was because, you know, the life is not long for raw stuff, right? Like it can't just sit there and still be effective. So it was probably an incredibly powerful blend for it to sit in the fridge and then work, you know? So I think that's great. I think that's an interesting very interesting. And it, I'm just trying to describe the pivotal moments that actually sort of like there were like, so my aha moment was like, 
oh, maybe this stuff, which we now call superfoods, <laughs> maybe there is a genuinely impactful, maybe this really affects the skin. What would happen if somebody actually created a line of superfood skincare? I remember thinking, but I wasn't calling it superfood skincare. You know, if this is in, in retrospect of like, maybe you should do more of this grading. And so that really was the beginning? Well, I didn't start making products for quite a while, but that was the moment of like, maybe I'm onto something like this is cool. And I was like one of those people that I would go into every department store, every little beauty boutique, and I would be looking at products and looking at ingredients and just so confused because there's, this is a bunch of years ago, like it's still confusing to read an ingredient list and things have improved so much more, but I was just like, I don't understand. So I was, I didn't realize that I was actually starting to do almost research for what I would eventually do. It was just huge amount of curiosity. So you might laugh at this. So I, cause we were, we were talking about our personal situations being single parents yes. before we started. Yes. Incredibly tough <laughs> an everyday battle. Yeah. So I went to visit my family for a weekend that, you know, so I went back home to Toronto and who did I meet? I met a guy who was, is that, uh, I know. So I left Southern California for the guy who would, is now, as I mentioned, I call him my husband. Which I love. I'm going to start using that because I think it's so clever and not in any way like derogatory, like in such a clever way. No. To, I love it. I think it's so good. It's past tense of what, yeah. but you know, I think um, like despite the very real challenges that I think anybody who's been through a divorce or whatever you want to, you know, conscious uncoupling, whatever. Sometimes it's not so conscious, but the conscious part of the word was been is that there isn't negativity associated with it. It's just a thing. And I think that if we can be mindful of the energy that we project to others, even people that make us crazy sometimes, like that positivity will radiate outwards and to your, ch your child as well. And I want to ask deeper on that because one of the reasons I decided to shop on the site when I was, you know, exploring you, looking at the brand and things, I noticed a lot of things like that. There is a lot of signaling, you know, you have this sort of disclaimer on the site where you talk about like positive conversation and kind of like the social space. Like there's a lot of really intentional marketing pieces built in. And I love that. I've actually haven't seen that. 10 years I've been working in beauty marketing and I've never seen, yeah, such intentional like a safe space, you know, like this is the space. This is what the space is supposed to do. If you're not going to do that, stay out of the space. And I love that. Did you come up with that or is it, a, it, did a team, how did that, it reflects a lot in your personality now that we've met, but how did you come up with that? I don't even know how conscious it was. Like the brand is great in skincare. Like actually somebody had to force me to use my name, but so it is the representation of me. And fortunately I now work with people. It was just me and my late father for a long time. They ask me questions and then they articulate it for me. So I, I am not necessarily good at writing it down myself, but it's in my head. And I'm glad that you're noticing that the storytelling is a parent, but I have other team members to thank for that. Even though the sentiment did very much come directly from me. I love it. It reflects you a lot now that we've met, but I think it's also a really powerful way to attract consumers that will like your products, right? Like this is the vibe we're putting out and people feel that, you know, and, and it makes them feel good. I, I love extra touches like that from a messaging point. I think it's such a strong way to put positivity back into, you know, the consumer space, because when you're marketing products, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you do need to make money, right? You have employees, you have a life, you have a kid. So those intentional things, like you obviously could have not taken time to do that, right? And put up a sales landing page or whatever. So I love that. I think there's a lot of authenticity to that. And I, and I think it really shows. When you said, of course, we need to make money and I could probably do a better job doing that, actually. But I've been trying to train it in more abundance. Like an abundance can manifest in very different ways. Like, of course, dollars and cents, but abundance with connection with people, with yourself, just there's a lot of different ways. And I, I think maybe that's what you're tapping into. I love that. And I, and I want to talk about 
some of the other, because there's some great pillars of the brand. You know, you've built some sustainability into the products and the packaging. Can you share some of that? Because you kind of talked about, I read an article where you talked about upcycling ingredients even, which I think is incredibly impactful. A lot of people don't even, they haven't even integrated upcycling into their everyday life and they're not even fully aware of the concept. It's like, it's becoming more mainstream, but as most of our listeners know, beauty has always had a packaging problem, an ingredient problem. You know, they're one of the worst offenders for plastics in the ocean, all those things. So how do you build that into the brand and how do you make that sustainable? Because it's also expensive to do, right? It is. And that is a bit of a, I don't want to, be uh, negative about anything, but it is really challenging to, I can only speak for ourselves, but to be the brand that we want to be because there are so many roadblocks and our current packaging, there's nothing terribly wrong with it. We use some glass and when we can't recycle our airless pumps, you know, we can work with packed and we have a lot of things covered, but we want to do a lot better. And really our goal is to absolutely be a leader within the sustainable beauty movement. And I have a chemist, I'm glad to say, um, her name is Ivy. And Ivy and I have been actively looking for truly sustainable packaging to launch a new mask. We have a mask. And it's just waiting for its little outfit. The formulation's ready. It's just waiting for its, you know, outfit. Yeah, the formulation is incredible. Like, honestly, I'm like the fastest person when it comes to, like, we haven't had a mask because I haven't been able to find one that actually is going to suit me. And if it doesn't suit me, it's tough, you know. So, um, well, I'll, I'll let the cat out of the bag in, in, a, in a little bit, but... We're, we wanted to launch this mask last year, and we actually had a really important retailer interested in it. And I couldn't because I couldn't. I haven't found the right componentry. And it was just today, actually, this really riffing here. We discovered that there is a company that actually does 100% PCR glass. And that is really hard to find. Like, we actually messaged this company, like, a month or two ago, they wouldn't get back to us because we're still a small brand. And yet we finally found them. And I was like, do you realize how long we've been looking for you? There is not a lot of availability. We have found some other PCR options in glass and plastic, but not 100%. And the real problem is the cost is astronomical. So it's really unfortunate that there's this, this funny loop going on. I think people in general are becoming more aware of the need to make conscious choices. And it's, it's by the way, it's Earth Day today. It is Earth Day, which we didn't even mention yet, which can't believe it. Because it's extra meaningful. Yes. So people want better choices, but they also don't want to necessarily pay substantially more for it. And there's this funny sort of supply, not so funny supply and demand issue. So I ha I have a colleague who works as a consultant and one of her customers is L'Oreal, for example, and they can, that their buying power is very large. So they are able to buy large amounts of PCR. And because they are like literally the largest beauty company in the world, they have the ability to do that. And by the way, I'm not dissing L'Oreal. It's great that they're starting to buy. No, no, no. And what Graydon's talking about is a really important conversation because we have this issue where she is correct. Right now, consumers, this is the most they've been willing to pay for sustainable stuff, but their willingness to pay does not match the minimum order quantity a small business needs to pay and raise their prices. So it becomes this constant conversation of, okay, but if a large brand can produce this material and say it's sustainable, why can't you guys? And it's because we're not doing a billion units. So it's actually a very unfortunate economic concept that comes about when you have these large beauty conglomerates who have a lot more power with their pricing and to negotiate with vendors. So yes, I'm so happy that you brought this up. Yeah. Thank you. So, you know, we've looked at some componentry that is like two or three dollars, just not even, not even for the closure. So if you think of your cost of goods and, you know, there are some formulas that Beauty Independent has written articles on that. There's usually a correlation between cost of goods, MSRP, you know, wholesale price and a distributor price. And suddenly like two or three extra dollars 
it, it, that's not two or three extra dollars to your MSRP. That is like, could be 10 or 20 or $30 actually, if you follow certain formulas. And customers are just not, you know, that's too jarring. And then you add in, you know, supply chain and logistic issues, which everybody's been affected by. And we have yet to raise our prices through COVID. We probably are going to have to. Wow, you haven't done it yet. That's amazing. I know, because I mean, really, we're positioned as an affordable luxury brand. Like, we're certainly not low end by any means, but we're not out of out of range for most, for many shoppers who have high standards and really appreciate a luxury product that ticks off the boxes. Like the ingredients are good. It looks nice on your counter. It feels good. It's like all of those things. So it is really destabilizing. And that's why we haven't been able to launch our masks. So we're hoping that this, anyway, new potential supplier who has never worked with a Canadian company before will, you know, I, I, like hopefully we've met our Prince Charming. Although that's probably a bad example since we were talking about our <laughs> I think a vendor can be a Prince Charming. I'm sure there, there yeah, are women yeah. on the other end of this situation who are who are great people. And I'm sure there are men who are great people. I'm not saying that men aren't great people. Yeah, they yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. are great. Yeah. <laughs> they are great. Yeah. I love men. It's really tricky. Nonetheless, this is not meant to, I'm certainly not meaning to victimize myself. Like, No, no, it's a terrific thing to continue to bring up and educate consumers about because they're very much misunderstand the concept, sometimes not intentionally, but it's like, oh, if I can get X at L'Oreal that's like lightly sustainable for $3, why should I pay for this? And then the cycle builds on itself, right? Because then you have conglomerates who are the very large offenders of environmental issues who are then getting more money from being kind of sustainable. So I think it's an important topic. I love also that you touched on checking the boxes and this like affordable luxury range, because I think one of the brand pillars that I love and and I want people to understand from this episode is like a lot of brands, you know, clean beauty has become more of a controversial thing because of the regulations and it's not a very highly regulated in a marketing sense and the terms and everything. And I think what Graydon does that's very beautiful and and really positive from a consumer and transparency standpoint is making things clinically tested and using ingredients that do have clinical backgrounds because there's a lot there. First of all, it's expensive to do all those things. I don't even know how you guys did that because it's expensive, but I want to hear more. I want to hear more about that because I think you took two things and you put them together and not a lot of people know that there's a brand that does those two things, you know, that does the clean side, but also does product efficacy. Thank you. It's this funny thing that Canadians have a stereotype of being a little bit bashful and humble, and we apologize a lot. So I'm not good at singing my own praises. I'll do it for you. I've worked in marketing. I'll brag for you. (laughs) I just want to share my mission with you, which I sounds a little bit corny. And it took me a while to actually figure this out. But it is really what dictates every decision I make within the business from packaging to ingredients to all of that. So it is my mission, <laughs> great Moffat, great in skincare, to give people, and hopefully that means worldwide at some point, we'll grow outside the confines of North America, but to give people good skin days every day. And I think sometimes we joke about good hair days, but you know, good skin days really on like on a consistent basis, like every day, that is something that is really powerful, I think, because when we feel good about our skin, our self-esteem is uplifted. And what constitutes good skin or a good skin day is like feeling not just the effect of the outer effect of what your skin looks like, but you feel good about aligning your values with a brand that supports what you believe in from ingredients to efficacy, to like the actual demonstrated evidence, to the whole packaging story. Like it's really the whole shebang. I love that. I think people often also overlook, we talk about this a ton in marketing. I've talked about this for years from my career. The often best message is the simplest message, right? And good skin days every day 
it's simple and it's something where like, if you can achieve that and if somebody can give you that confidence, that is, that's like you wake up and you start the day right. I mean, there's no monetary value to that, right? Waking up, looking at yourself, being like, I feel confident about myself. I'm supporting a mission I believe in. Let's go get the day, you know, that has power. Exactly. It's not about like looking like you're 25 when you're 45. So we're, as I mentioned, as a slightly older founder, you know, I am very pro-aging, like feeling good in the skin, like that you actually live in. Like you have to remember you live in your skin, This skin, your skin is not just this thing. It is part of you and you have a relationship with it. Like there's co-creation going on. So that connects with your, what you eat, how you eat, your mental, emotional, spiritual life. It's not just this, like, of course I love it when people buy products and use them. And I would say for the most part, people have really successful experiences using our products. And you were very gracious to point out some nice testimonials, but it is so much more than that. The testimonials are terrific. I was shocked. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to buy some stuff. (laughs) But, you know, part of what we do is education and work with a lot of different medical and holistic practitioners to actually support people so that they can make the lifestyle choices to actually have healthy skin, have happy skin, no matter their skin tone, skin type, age, gender. But let's get back to upcycled ingredients for a moment. I, I totally abandoned that question. I love upcycling. And we have been working with a variety of suppliers over the last number of years. And I became really, really interested in uh, broccoli seed oil. And I'll connect this to an earlier story because I remember I there was a bit of a cliffhanger there. I left my life in sunny California to come home to start dating someone. Oh yes, for the boy. Yes. That's right. And I eventually, finally, Toronto got with the program and yoga became a thing. And then I was like, I'm going to be finally a certified yoga practitioner. And I had just gotten married and just had a baby. And I was very, very fortunate to be able to teach yoga out of my home for many years. Not this home. This was the um, post-divorce home. But I had women lining up literally at my side door, my kitchen side door. And they would go downstairs into the basement. And I had to turn people away sometimes. Like I realized that women were really hungry for something outside of their hate class. Like, and I didn't realize it at the time. But besides actual asana, like, yes, we did sweat. Yes, we worked on our abs and our butt. And, yeah, you know, people got their exercise in. But women weren't used to sitting together in like a dark atmosphere, breathing together, like some self-touch. So we were doing some chanting. I would always do aroma journeys. I would always make tea and I would always have some concoction to put on your body or your mat. It was a ritual. And I, and I, again, I realized, oh, self-care. I was teaching self-care. Before I realized that self-care was a thing, before Instagram was a thing, actually. And I think that is why people came to me, because it was a, a novel way to move your body and just get more connected. And again, like, as you help to heal others, you heal yourself. So this was a very integrating journey and my health journey. And there's a funny thing about yoga. Like I told you this story earlier about how I fell into my body. Well, I fell deep, deeper. (laughs) And I realized that the marriage that I was in was not serving my higher and greater good. And I'll spare you the details of which there are many, but it takes a lot of courage. And then, you know, you have a, like this little creature that you're like, I have to make good choices in my life, not just for myself, but it's not easy. Like yoga was okay for a dual income, not so much as a single parent. So it was eventually my yoga clients who encouraged me to start selling my, my concoctions. I was like, really? You want it? From trying it in the class and they were like, we want to buy it and take it home. Yeah. Wow. I know. I know. So I'm so grateful for that experience because my yoga clientele, they really became my focus group. 
and then, you know, it wasn't glamorous, but I would go to like school shows and set my table up and, and I was, was making everything in my kitchen. And again, I don't recommend that if you're really going to start a brand, like it's, it's fine if, if it's a hobby. Yeah. But you did the, you did the real hustle, like kind of like a farmer's market table kind of thing, like personal selling. Yeah. That's like, that's like the real deal. That's not the, I have 500,000 and I got a packager and a this and a this. And exactly. Like, it's the exactly. real bare bones version. And, you know, there's a, you should have a lot of respect for people who do this because one, it's really hard to put an idea out there for just a few people in the beginning, because then you're like talking to them one-on-one, but also two, the risks are so much higher, right? You're hungry for it. Like this is the thing you've committed to. You don't have a backup plan. I mean, you obviously had yoga or whatever, but like you, you're putting your life and your heart and your soul into this. My, my life, my heart. And I, I look back, as I, I mentioned the, I was slagging myself earlier, saying, you know, I should have taken science and, you know, business and I I should have, like, that would have been really helpful. But I think it was actually because of my lack of education that I felt like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like there, I can't lie. There were some pretty dark days of like, what am I going to do with my, like, it is the the math is not working. Like the, the babysitter is getting paid more than I am. So I had a lot of people be like, don't start a skincare business. That's crazy. You like go get a job at Starbucks before you go and do that, you know? And, and yet I couldn't like, I, it was a real compulsion and it, it goes back to what I talked about that moment in back in LA of like, this is supposed to be my work. And I do not know how I'm going to create abundance out of that work. And I'm still working on the abundance part. It's a hustle, but that is, very genuinely how this happened. And so I'll go back to the broccoli seed oil of tying, tying the different parts together. I want to hear about broccoli seed because I love this ingredient. It's such a good ingredient. Yeah. So I, well, while I was teaching yoga, I was got very interested in breast health. Like, unfortunately, almost everybody has been touched by breast cancer. If, uh, if not personally, everybody's got a friend or a family member you know, cancer, like I lost my father to cancer. Like it's cancer is a horrible disease. It's incredibly tough. Yeah. So I really thought like, how can I help learn about, you know, how to move your body to get the lymph to go. And there's this amazing naturopath in the, in Canada who was doing these breast cancer trainings. She's very focused on broccoli sprouts. And I was like, broccoli sprouts, huh? She's like, yeah, broccoli sprouts really, really good for your lymphatic system. And she knew that I was tinkering in the kitchen. And she said, great. And like, if you're going to create some creams, get some broccoli seed oil. And um, she was also really into pomegranates. So that was a, a, like, I will, I can show you like a powerful antioxidant pomegranate skin stuff is all about pomegranates and the um, the Phytoclear. Actually, I don't have a bottle of Phytoclear, but you mentioned that you ordered. This Phytoclear. is the one that I ordered that I'm so excited about. Broccoli seed, I love because, you know, when this ingredient got like a little hot, like a couple of years ago, it's because it has this really interesting dry down, right? It's not slimy or anything like that. It's not thick. It almost has like a fake silicone-y feel to it, which makes it wear really beautiful under makeup and things. And pomegranate that Green's talking about is a really powerful antioxidant, great ingredient for the skin, for fighting free radicals, you know, premature aging, anything like that. But show us, I want to see some of these products. I want, I want you to share them with us. I know. So, but about the upcycling, so I, I, I looked very actively to find broccoli seed oil, which is not overly accessible. And I was able to find an ingredient supplier and they also had raspberry oil, raspberry seed oil, blueberry seed oil. And I was like, how are you getting these oil? like oils and I then realized and this is actually again they weren't even calling it upcycling but it is exactly upcycling you will get food manufacturers who want raspberry jam lots of different things like broccoli is used for also many things within the food industry and there are these seeds that are left over like what are you going to do with the seeds there's a couple things sometimes the seeds go into meals like very popular for pet products also as a mild exfoliant, but they, those seeds can also be pressed and 
I'm very happy to say that the oil, not all of the oils that we have, but are a byproduct of the food industry. And I am working with a different supplier now than we did, you know, originally, but we upgrade, I, I shouldn't say upgrade. I don't think the quality is actually that, that much different. The difference between our current supplier and our past supplier is that is the efficacy, the demonstrated clinicals that the supplier can give us. I actually think that's what we're paying for. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and, and you know what? It's worth it because I, God bless her, our, our cosmetic chemist, she's a toughie. She looks over our copy and we work with a regulatory company and you can't say this and you can't say that. And I look at so many other brands and I'm like, oh, this is outrageous what they're saying. I want to be able to say that too. You know, like I won't call out any names. That would be inappropriate. But there's a lot of copy out there that's very appealing to the viewer. And maybe they're just, the brands aren't big enough to get their, you know, their, you know, hand slapped. So we're very modest in what we talk about, but I can legitimately say that the blueberry seed oil that we have actually shields your skin from blue light. And there's a debate in, in the world like, oh, is blue light even a problem? But I can definitely say that our blueberry seed oil very effectively shields your skin, protects your skin from blue light. And I think that's an amazing thing. No, it, it's an amazing claim. And and to be going by the law, like the stuff that Graydon's touching on is a lot of brands do make efficacy claims that they're not really allowed to make. It is on their packaging. It's in their promotional material. A lot of those things, like unless it has been, you know, overseen by the FDA, the ingredient, or it's gone through a clinical trial, you can't just say something does something. And people do do that. And people make a ton of money doing that. So when brands follow the rules, you know, it can be hard to cut through the static of like these other things when you're looking at like comparatively to another product, but it's like, you guys have no proof that your product does that. So <laughs> then they keep saying it, but I love this. I think, I think this is such a huge point of difference for the brand. And I like that it's, it's a lot of it's on the website. You can see it's like, you know, clinically tested this and, and that's amazing. I mean, you, you very rarely see that with uh, cleaner products. Thank you. And uh, just a, a couple other examples. So the raspberry seed oil happens to be like one of like like its vitamin E content is off the charts. Like it's ridiculously high in vitamin E. So like n normally to stabilize an oil product, you know, there's tocopherols and sometimes which is a source of vitamin E, and you can get synthetic sources. You can get but. We use the actual raspberry seed oil. And I just think it's very, like, everybody understands blueberries are good for you. They're full of antioxidants. You should, you know, put them on your coconut yogurt. Like, it's not some strange name. You know, there is a the Latin name for sure, which you'll see on our ingredient list. But at the end of the day, these are real blueberries and real raspberries. And also, another example is in our full moon serum, I don't know. Yeah, you were reading about Full Moon. Yes, this is one show this to us. Full, full Moon minis. This is just our 10 ml version. It's blue. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's blue from um, malachite, actually, which is also an incredible ingredient. It's a semi-precious stone. It's this naturally beautiful blue color. It is incredibly good for tonifying your skin. Rich source of copper. And copper helps for your, you know, that stimulates collagen production within your skin. The malachite is not an upcycled ingredient. It's just a cool ingredient. But one ingredient in the full moon is a collagen alternative. So collagen is an animal-based product. It comes from often rooster combs, you know, the little red thing on top of the rooster's head. Cow's knees. It's even, you know, not even people who are, are plant-based don't even kind of realize that sometimes unless they've well-educated themselves. So we were able to find, after looking, looking at a lot of places, a collagen, a plant-based collagen alternative. So it's just like you would say bio-retinol. Like it's not actually retinol or it's not actually collagen, but it has similar characteristics. And we found this, we did find a, an ingredient supplier again, because we want the data 
and the all of the like the you know the certificate of analysis sheets and things like that, which you unfortunately can't usually get from sourcing from a small farmer. Like we love to support individual farmers, and we we do on occasion, but they can't give you the material. Like if you want to grow and scale your brand, you know, and you want to work with a big supplier, like a, a big retail partner, they really need a lot of documentation that what you're saying is is accurate. And unfortunately, artisanal farmers aren't fabulous for that. Anyway, our collagen alternative comes from the bark of African mahogany trees. So in West Africa, these, these trees are abundant. They can become quite large. And as they grow, the bark falls off the tree. So the bark can then be collected in a, literally in a basket and then the extract, the collagen extract, collagen alternative extract, comes from this bark. And if you think about it, think about a tree and the bark around the tree. The bark is the tree's skin. And it's really not that much of a surprise to me that it, this extract protects your skin just like it protected the, the inner part of the tree. That's a really special use because then the tree... Sometimes the trees then get old and then the trees are used for sometimes making furniture or sometimes they're burned or they're housing projects. There's a quite a bit of patrolling going on, thankfully, because there's a lot. It's hardwood. Like you think about what mahogany looks like. You don't want to deforest. They're not really mahogany forests. They, they grow randomly. But it would be so sad for just the bark to be discarded like so you know it's like the leftover seeds from the plant we're happy to use them we'll, we'll take your bark <laughs> we'll take your bark <sighs> and then you know typically speaking there are small you know populations of people that are doing the collection so it's a supportive to the community and yeah we wouldn't have been able to find that on our own although I did take a, I spent a few months in Africa. I was at one point dating a South African fellow and we toured many different rural areas and I was just blown away by like the power of the herbal and medicinal, like artisanal products that are, are made there. And so there, there's a lot of magic from that comes out of that um, country. I acknowledge that that is not a Canadian product and I'm not trying to promote colonial, you know, I honor the heritage that that comes from and we're just really grateful to be able to offer this as one of the ingredients in the full moon serum because I, I think it is, uh, your collagen is really important in terms of your, your skin health and suppleness. Yes, and your collagen, what is it? After 25, it depletes like 1% every year or something like that. It's crazy. It's it's such a part of the fullness of the face. And you can really tell, you know, skin that's been well taken care of versus not in terms of like the collagen. I wanted to ask you, so if someone wanted to start, you know, using your brand, where should they start? I always say like the foundation of any a good skin is you got to have your, your cleansing routine down. So I would be happy to say, Try this serum, try that serum. But, you know, with the assumption that you have a good cleansing routine, and we do have a couple of really good cleansers, I would suggest, well, we, I should talk about our serums because those are yeah, the most share, share a couple with us. Power, powerful products. I just have the minis here. So this is um, this is one of our newer products. It's a Moon Boost Serum. It's a multivitamin serum. Again, I'm very focused on, you know, you think about taking vitamins, orally, but your skin needs its vitamins too. So this is a vitamin A, B, C, D, E, F, and K. Wow. Lots of different vitamins. It's an orange color, actually largely because of the vitamin F, but it's it, they're all super few based. So it's an oil, but it's a very light oil. All of the ingredients are non-comedogenic. And so I think the foundation of any good skincare routine, as I said, outside of cleansing is to make sure that you hydrate and moisturize your face. And hydration and moisturizing are actually slightly different things. So you hydrate your skin with water-based things like our full moon serum, 
which is, we were just talking about. So that's a combination of bioretinol, collagen, hyaluronic acids, peptides, vitamin C. We also have Moringa for an environmental pollution protection. Wow. That's a packed serum. Hyaluronic, vitamin C, bioretinol. Did you say bioretinol or did you say collagen? Both. So uh, I love that. I want to know, how are you guys doing the vitamin C and, and the retinol? This is like, this is interesting to me because it's something a lot of people won't do, you know? I've smelled this a million times, but I never get tired of this scent, especially for the, uh, the Moon Boost. It smells like a creamsicle. Like it's a yummy, it's got yuzu in it. So it's this like citrus, which is, it's non-photoreactive, just in case you're wondering about citrus oils, yuzu is not, and like a vanilla note. So the vitamin C that we have in the full moon is from Moringa. And the retinol um, that we have in full moon is from, have you heard of moth beans or dew beans before? Mm-mm. Similar, like people talk about Bukuchil all the time, but so it, it, the clinical studies on, it's a dual name. Some people call it moth bean, some people call it dew bean. I kind of prefer dew bean just because when I hear moth bean, I think of like the little creature that, you know, flies and you don't want in your closet. But to give you a little bit more information, it's actually a pulse, like a, like a lentil. You know, everybody's familiar with lentils. Yeah, it's delicious. And this is uh, grown in India where, you know, a lot of lentils are grown in India too. But moth beans are a little bit larger. I, in Toronto, I don't live too far from little India. It's, uh, Toronto is incredibly culturally diverse. So I'm in between like Greek town, Chinatown and little India. And so I can go there and I buy my moth beans. They're called mut, like M-O-O, mut, mut beans. Like there's, there's a bit of translation going on. And they're, yeah, they're tasty. And don't get the wrong impression. It's not like we just cook up some moth beans and put, put in our product. Yeah. <laughs> and dump them in there. <laughs> no. <laughs> we work with a great supplier. And honestly, they, they have like a 25-page doc of all the like, third-party clinical studies that they have done yeah so because it's not a traditional synthetic retinol or a traditional as- ascorbic acid retinol and ascorbic acid don't play nice together but moth beans and moringa are fine beautiful wow that's interesting to have such a stable mix. You know, ascorbic acid, which is talking about vitamin C, on its own is an incredibly unstable ingredient. It's it's hard to deal with in general, which is why, you know, when we talk about vitamin C, we've talked about it a lot on here. It's so important to find credible sources of vitamin C because a lot of people you're getting like completely ineffective product. It's like been sitting in water for a long time and, and things like this. So I love this. I think this is phenomenal. Oh, so back to the, what products would you use? So I would use a combination of these because you get all your, all of your vitamins with the orange, the orange one is the vitamin serum and it's oil-based. The blue one is the water-based serum with all of the um, skincare actives that people are more typically aware of. So you really get the best of both worlds when you use these together. They really are like the ultimate combination. So when you're going into like a warmer, finally, it's getting a little warmer here in Canada. Like on a hot summer day, I can just, you know, use the two of these little SPF and I'm good to go. Beautiful. Mix them or or blue first or does it matter? Well, you can do either, but I love making skin smoothies and I have been making skin smoothies forever. I know that there are there is another very well-known brand that talks about skin smoothies and just wanted to say that I have been using skin smoothies for a long that notion for a long time. I am certainly not trying to use anybody else's buzzwords. So I just like to make a, a smoothie and it just feels so good. It really feels good together. Like no matter where, like it, it's not just morning and night. Like I love to give my skin a boost. Actually, take my glasses off. It's just beautiful, smooth on your face. Oh, you're already glowing. Do you not wear foundation? Is this, is this just you? 
This is me. Well, we have another product called Face Glow, which is one of my favorite products as well. I'll show that to you. So this is a tinted moisturizer, illuminator, and primer. So I would actually usually, if I had the time, like, and I usually have the time, I would blend the three of these together, and this would be a skin smoothie in the morning. It's a very neutral tint. Again, I got to hand it to our chemist, Ivy, because she was able to get a color that works for people with the palest skin, like glowworm skin, to people with very melanin-rich skin. We have gratefully a diverse and inclusive team, and those with deeply melanated skin are able to wear skin tone. No white cast or anything. Beautiful. No white cast. And there is zinc. There is non-nano zinc and titanium dioxide in it. And in fact, we know that this is an SPF product. We just haven't had it tested because, you know, uh, there's just, there's a lot that goes along, you know, getting FDA clearance and Health Canada clearance. And, but that is on our bucket list. So I tend to wear face glow for like day-to-day running around. Again, I don't want to get into trouble for making any claims. So we, we don't we don't say that on our site. We say it's good for like environmental protection. And it actually has another really cool mineral in it. It's got zincite in it. And zincite is not, not as well known as... No, I've never heard of it. But it is great for like EVA and UVB pr- protection. And we do like to put in some semi-precious minerals where we can. Just also energetically... Like malachite is also has some, like I keep malachite. I keep, you know, crystals and gemstones around here because I do just personally like them and they have supported my emotional journey, which I'm alluded to. I've had some highs and lows. I think there's not too many people that don't have some drama and challenges in their lives. So I know I'm not alone in saying that, but I have been able to find some support. I worked with a shaman and I really like my crystals. I think a lot of people, we had a couple episodes back, Jenny Streeby, she's the founder of Air Professional. and She's also a gemologist. And so she was talking a lot yeah, about the benefits of crystals and she talked a lot about the science behind it. So I think not only are people a lot more accepting of crystals as a concept for wellness, but also the science behind it. There's so much science now promoting crystals for wellness and things like that. So I think people are a lot more open to the idea than they were like five years ago. People would be like, oh, crystals, like, are you going to the gem show and like all this stuff? So I love that. I think it's just an extra touch that really adds to the brand. Beauty is such a small industry. Is there anyone else that you really like respect or know any other brands you love? You know, if you had to put like vibes for a collaboration or something? You know, uh, prior to COVID, us founders, we we got to hang out a little bit more. And I have to admit, Credo has been really helpful for that. Ever since they launched, they would, when a store, new store opened, you know, they would invite brand founders to New York or LA. So I've been very lucky to meet some wonderful founders. I'm still such a tiny emerging bootstrapped brand that I'm not quite as famous as uh, as other people. And people are like, Canada, huh? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we don't have as much awareness as south of the border, but I have a lot of respect for what other brands are doing. I'm happy to call out some brands that I use. Yeah. If there's anybody you love, any yeah makeup brands, you love anything. Yeah, absolutely. I love myself. I love me a good bath. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of Bathorium before. Before. No. Yeah. That's a Canadian brand. Is it? Mm-hmm. I literally have like, I buy the three kg bags of bath salts and I have like five <laughs> different varieties. This is my bathroom back, back there. I can, I can pull some out, but yeah, there's like, um, one that is made with um, coconut milk, vanilla, and uh, like a, almost Ooh, a bourbon. Wow. Um, so I, I shout out to Beth Orium. There is a, a Canadian makeup brand. I think I have some of her products right over here. Right, a little, little makeup sedation right over there. Elate. Oh, yes. I'm familiar with Elate. I think Melody won a big like Beacon Award. Yes, 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 yes. I'm familiar with Elate. Great. Great causes too. Great brand. She is a real pioneer. 
within the sustainability. I think she did. She was either nominated or one sustainability champion. I can't remember. I need to look it up. Beacon's actually coming back around soon. So we're like trying to find, you should honestly nominate yourself. Like you definitely should. Like we love seeing these brands and I love like people, when I meet people, you know what I mean? Then it's like, you just love the brand so much more. You're like, that's what I love about independent beauty. The brand founders are just such nice people (laughs) and they're just so easy to talk to. No, those are great brands. I had no idea that that Elaine was also Canadian. So that's cool. Yeah, she's in the, on the West Coast in the you know, Vancouver area. Also, Randy from EVO. I don't know if you know EVO. Mm-mm. Randy does a lot of work. Part of her story is well-known. You know, she was in a women's shelter for a long time. Or wow. I don't know, for a long time. But, you know, she started her brand out of a women's shelter. And so she is very, very mission-based. I'm also Toronto-based. There's some other Toronto brands that are well-known. There's uh, Sahajan. Which I love. Ayurvedic brand. Lisa is wonderful. Province Apothecary. Who I also love. Julie, we know each other. Great founder. Yeah, there's not in Toronto, but there's Sappho, like uh, another great Canadian makeup brand. There are lots. Um, there's something in the water. Yeah, this is great. And these are really great brands. Like a lot of these names people people recognize and know, and they're not, I would not even consider them small players. I would say these are very impactful brands in the industry. So that's great. Well, last question, how can my listeners support you? Thank you. Well, I, I wanted to get, especially given that it's birthday, I do want to mention that with our full moon serum, this little blue bottle, now this is blue a 10 ml bottle, but we also have a 30 ml bottle, but with all, every purchase of full moon serum, we donate $1 to the ocean legacy foundation, wow. which is an amazing foundation also in the West coast of Canada. And not only do they do ocean cleanups, which I think many grassroots organizations do, it's what they do with the plastic afterwards. That is most fascinating to me. So they make sure that the plastic that they harvest does not end up in landfill. Wow. Because one thing that the founder, her name is Chloe, that she explained to me is like a lot of people like actually get some plastic out of the ocean. They don't know where to put it. And so then it will literally live on the beach or in a forest or in somebody's backyard. Oh my God. And it might actually blow back into the ocean or it oh will go to landfill. And the landfill, you know, the ocean, the earth, there really isn't, it's more noticeable on the earth as opposed to sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Right. But that doesn't really help, no. you know, mankind or mother nature. So Ocean Legacy actually has this recycling part of their business. And I've seen it like in a video, like there's these, you know, like forklifts going around and there's this huge ocean rope going into this basically machine that melts the plastic down and spits out, they're called nurdles. Have you heard of the word nurdles before? Nurdles, no. They're like plastic pellets. Really? Yeah, and it's fascinating. So like the day I was watching, these blue pellets were coming out. And then like plastic is often sold in pellets. People don't think about it. Like people just see their plastic water bottle or their plastic whatever. And nobody really thinks, oh, where did that come from? Wow. Right? It is often sold in pellets. And then then it's easy to melt down or wow. do custom color. To make um, something else. And so, yeah. So then Ocean Legacy goes and actually sells their nurdles very mindfully because they don't want to sell it to people who will just go and make single-use products. They want to actually sell it to people who will make something cool like I don't know. I think back into like late seventies in, I don't know, you might not even been around, but, (laughs) or early eighties. And there's some very cool vintage plastic items that have plastic lasts for a long time. That's the thing. (laughs) Yeah. It lasts forever. That's the problem. Yeah. Make something cool that will, you know, a spatula, I don't know, something that will be, an object that you will love for your lifetime. Wow. And yeah. So they're very particular about who they sell their noodles. But it is so uplifting working with a company like Ocean Legacy. And they see it every day. 
because they're literally right on the coast. Like the problems are huge. They're overwhelming. And you just, I think a lot of people think, Oh, I don't know how to solve this. And their approach is like, you know, every little action helps and makes a, a difference. So don't give up. You know, there's a lot of good work happening. And so when people buy a bottle of our full moon serum, we donate a dollar for every bottle to Ocean Legacy. And that dollar actually helps to divert one pound of plastic away from landfill. Wow. There is the, like, for no other reason than good skin days, <laughs> get up, get yourself a bottle of full moon serum at greatenskincare.com. And we have just in the last year probably being able to divert over a thousand pounds of plastic away from landfill. So you can be part of the change and so cliche, make a difference, but you really can. This has been so fun, Graydon. You are such a fun, interesting person and you have such a delightful vibe. Like I haven't met very many people who are just seem very positive and easy to get along with. I mean, I meet, you know, people in beauty all the time, but you know, you just have such an uplifting spirit. It's very nice to be around. Thank you. Thank you. Well, stay tuned for uh, our mask that we'll follow up with you about that yes, when we tell- found like the ultimate PCR component. Tell us <laughs> when you're launching it. And I would love if you guys would give her brand a follow on Instagram. Check out the website. I will definitely post a review when I get my products. I'm so excited about that, but I will share with you. And then you can also find some of the products Graydon's talked about in this episode at thingabeautypodcast.com when this episode airs. Thanks guys. Have a lovely day. 